Sonic States Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk number 186. Uh, for those of you who are viewing this live, hello to you. Got a lot of people in the chat room as ever. Nice to see you there. Um, Wednesday the 18th of August 2010 we're recording. Uh, we'll be up on iTunes and all uh, all other places on Thursday the 19th of August. Uh, there's no chat, there's no show next week because I shall be on holiday. Looking forward to a bit of a, uh, a holiday there. Um, just a week away, but um, so everybody else can have a week off too. Anyway, so everybody, welcome. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Like I say, um, join us in the chat room every week, obviously apart from next week when I won't be here, but uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live, you get a chat room and you get um, a live stream, a picture of me in a pair of headphones, which is scintillating viewing, I'm sure. But when we've got people in the <laughs> studio, I can use two cameras. Here's another camera. Here's another camera. There we go. But there would be more other stuff. I have to frame it right because I fiddle with – I'm very – I've realized I fiddle. I'm doing this all the time, so I'm trying to cut my hands out of the shot so you can't see me nervously fiddling with stuff. But anyway, welcome everybody. Sonic Talk number 186. Um, that first chuckle you heard there was Rich Hilton, I believe, from Connecticut, uh, from um, Le Crib version 2, Nile Rogers' personal studio, and um, where you're undergoing massive projects at the moment, I believe, Rich. Yep, it's pretty busy over there. Excellent. Having big fun. Having big fun and uh, things are working beautifully. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear it. It's always nice when that happens, isn't it? Always nice. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm not pushing it right now, the system, with a lot of VIs and that sort of thing. So uh, everything's behaving normally. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm not butting up against the system, you know, the CPU, the RAM. I'm not butting up against things right now. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's nice to be within the constraints of the system. At least that makes you sort of feel like you're 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 um you're safe, but then suddenly it'll come up and bite you, unfortunately. That's the way it tends to happen, isn't it? You kinda of think, Yeah, I've got plenty of room <laughs> and then oh no I haven't. Well, right now I'm trying like crazy to get ninety six K sessions playing on a Mbox two L E virtuals <laughs> rig and uh and uh it's rather uh it's rather the challenge. Last night when I left I challenged him to break it. I said, see if you can break it tonight. <laughs> no, brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm trying to make it so he can't. No, well of course. I suppose that's uh, that's the the ultimate goal. But yeah, no, it's yeah. tech, eh? Gosh. Don't I know it, having spent the last Two months practically getting uh, doing a load of t server tech work now. All the servers are now our Sonic State is running on Amazon, but it's working. It's been over ten days. It seems to be much more efficient too. I'm very happy. Anyway, Rich Hilton, MySpace.com forward slash Hiltonius for all your Hiltonius needs, and uh, we'll also say hi while we're over your neck of the woods, which is in the states, um, to PJ Tracy, Emmy-winning composer from Minneapolis. How are you doing, PJ? I'm very well, thank you. Good. It's, uh, great to be here. Yeah. yeah, great to be here. It's glad to have you back again. On a more, you know, and more than more than once in a while. It's always nice to have you. Yeah, thanks. It's yeah, wonderful. I uh the other day I feel like I've just joined uh joined civilization the other day I got an iPod touch. Ah. So now uh now apps won't won't be lost on me as a as a, as a concept. Topic. <laughs> so you could Yes. Well, I've been following it as a concept, but as a but as an actual you know mode in my life, I I, I felt it was time. It was it was definitely time to join uh, join the gang. Gotcha. 
Well, pjtracymusic.com yeah. for your PJ Tracy needs. Thanks for joining us. Anyway, um, also, uh, we have, uh, Dave Spears from G4 Software. How are you, Dave? All right, thanks. Good. Make us a fine software instruments. Are you making fine software instruments at the moment, or are you um, doing something else, taking a break? Uh, I'm not making anything, but everybody else is. I've kind of done my bit, so I've sort of handed it over and gone, whip crack away, whip crack away. Ah, so now you're in management mode. Actually, I'm in abscond from the office as much as possible mode. Yeah. It's got to be done, hasn't it? Got to be done. <laughs> I've been doing physical work for a week, which oh, really? is quite interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. good good for the soul, that. Yeah. Amongst Not other things. for the back. <laughs> Amongst other things. Well, good for you. Now, it's always nice to be done. I'm, I'm contemplating digging up my front path and repaving it, but I suspect I'll probably pay somebody else to do it when I've swung the hammer a couple of times and realised that my body is completely unconditioned for that kind of work these days. Used to do a lot of it when I was a youth, but, you know, no longer... Anyway, Pretty well, scary, isn't it? yeah, it is. It is. I don't want to think about it. Let's think about something else. Let's think about the eternal voice of youth instead, and that uh, could possibly be uh, in 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 the in, in the guise of Justin Bieber. And I'll just play you a bit of Justin Bieber. I think you'll enjoy it. excuse for it. That was, in fact, Justin Bieber, You Smile. Um, if you haven't heard of this, this is obviously, uh, you've been off the, maybe off the internet for a couple of days, because this has been a real viral thing. Uh, a chap uh, called Shamantis uh, popped up a uh, an 800% slower pitch stretch, time stretch, of Justin Bieber's You Smile, which is uh, not sounding like that in usual, uh, in usual terms. And uh, everybody's sort of been going, wow, amazing. And, um, Including me, and I did a news item on it yesterday, and it's just been absolutely massive. It's been one that's really depressing. You know, I, I do a lot of work on videos and whatever, and this gets ten times more hits than that. You know, it's just but one of those things that's gone very viral. But um, it's an interesting idea, and, and uh, I don't know, what did everybody think about it? Uh, did you have any expectations before you heard it? I'm assuming you've heard it before. Dave, are you a Justin Bieber yeah. fan? <laughs> no, and my expectation was I'd hate it. Yes. But it sounded like the Cocteau Twins. It sounded like a lot of things, didn't it? Sigur Ross has been uh, bandied about a lot as well. Yeah. Went on a bit long, considering yeah, 30, it slowed down. 35 minutes. I did like Yeah, it needs, it, like, I said, like I said in the pre-show um, talk, it needs an edit, really, doesn't it? Yeah. But it sounded good. <laughs> Beautiful sound. I mean, the way the reverb comes out and all those things. Uh, this is uh, done with something called pull stretch. Uh, Akai Pete has kindly put the uh, link in the uh, chat room. And it's really, really uh, just 
it's an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing. And it's by a chap called, uh, oh, what's his name? Paul. Paul. <laughs> Paul. No, it's not Paul Stretch. I did have it in the notes, but I seem to have deleted that part. So I'm very, uh, very sorry about that. I know, but amazing. I mean, and what's quite interesting about that is the whole concept of actually turning something from one thing into another it just seems like such a kind of interesting idea. Um, so to address this, uh, no, I'm not familiar with the original song. Yes, I heard this. It was very interesting and ethereal and cool. And uh, no, I was not able to sit through 35 minutes of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that about sums it up. Um, but a beautiful, bit of, yeah, beautiful bit of stretching. There was a lot of speculation about it. I think this was first po posted on Gorka, I think. I'm not sure, to be honest, but it doesn't really matter where it came from. But one thing I did notice, when I first looked at it yesterday, um, that particular track had had uh, something like 25,000 plays, and this morning it's at 625,000. So it's had quite, <laughs> quite a hammering <laughs> in, the last, um, in the last 24 hours. Um, That's amazing. It is amazing, really, yeah. I wonder if um, if they'll actually, you know, consider producing a remix of it, you know, just because uh, it's such a – it does sound so beautiful. And it's it's obviously a great piece of um, PR for the pull stretch software, um, which uh, I might actually – apparently, and I haven't had a chance to download this, it's Windows only as far as I understand, you can play the stretch sound in real time with the possibility of freezing the sound, or you can render the whole sound or part of it to audio files, which sounds really awesome. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's free. Yeah. I, I, I think um, it's, it's just a bit of a phenomenon, as we say in England, closely followed by a doo-doo, bidi-doo. But um, I've never really, you know, most of the time stretching I've done, because I don't know what you use for time stretch, because I've never really found um, any of the, you know, logic never really kind of slows down very nicely. And I, I'm trying to remember what we, that used to be Serato, that was the one yeah, right. that we used to use because that was the one that's because all I remember when I was you know when I was doing mixing a lot of remixing you'd have to do a lot of time stretching but there was never a very good algorithm I always remember it sounded like certainly with like things like acoustic guitars it sounded like someone had put a glass on the soundboard and it was sort of rattling and it was just not you know it couldn't handle the complexity of the sound but this thing seemed to be absolutely seamless what do, what do you use for time stretch Rich when you when you need to well, for years, I used a combination of Serato's Pitch and Time and Wave Mechanics, now Sound Toys, Speed. And I found that each one worked variously well on certain kinds of source material. So I would usually try between those. Then Digidesign came out with a plugin called Time Shift, which I used and which, would, which became a third possibility. But most recently, I tend to use the whatever elastic audio algorithm is running within the DAW I'm using. So in Pro Tools, I'll use elastic time and in Ableton, I'll use warping or whatever they like to, you know, whatever their name for it is. And, um, and in, it depends because there's two ways to use these things. One of these is to use it as a practical hi-fi kind of method of making something shorter or longer where you're seeking to avoid artifacts and the other is where you celebrate the artifact and you go for the right artifact. And so yeah. you're trying different ones to get the coolest glitching, aliasing, weird stuff. Well, you saw a lot of people use it. And when you're slowing it down that much, I mean, you'd sort of be expect to be in the area of kind of granular synthesis, really, wouldn't you, generally? But um, Absolutely, absolutely. 
you know, it used to be, well, you'd just finish the mix and then try and do it to the master rather than all the individual elements because that was just kind of a lot, a whole bunch of work. It's now actually, you know, a lot more feasible, isn't it, to be able to do it in real time across, you know, however many tracks. Anybody? Dave, what do you use? Radius. Radius. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Brilliant. And is that... Isotope. Uh, does that work in... it within Logic. Is it real time? Uh, it can be, but I mean, what I'm using it for is the first example that Richard gave is that literally we're taking really grainy and grungy stuff and we don't want any artifacts at all. And Radius is about the only thing that I've tried that's done that. I can pitch it, I can stretch it, I can do what I want. And it is awesome. Right. It's not, is Melodyne not, not in the, uh, in the right Melodyne, thing. yeah. But I, I mean, I tend to use that more for kind of, you know, pitching instruments and vocals mm. very subtly. Whereas, you know, sometimes with Radius, we have to do kind of fairly major shifts. For example, the Optican stuff, let's say, when we recorded right. some of that, you know, we didn't reference it against tuning. So you're looking at it and going, well, I want to, you know, it's very kind of grungy and clicky and noisy. So it's like, but we still want to retain that character. Yeah. But not have it introduce tons of artifacts. And that's where, in fact, I worked on a beta of Radius with uh, Isotope. And it was like, wow, wow, that was a command line thing at the time. Yeah. Now it's uh, integrated within Logic and I think DP and other things. It's awesome. Right, right. Okay. So that's, that, that's my plug. Actually, looking at their website, they just qualify it for Logic Pro and Soundtrack Pro. Uh, okay. They're very specific. They're specific about that. Um, though I assume if it's well, I guess it works into their menu system. I don't even think it's an AU thing, is it? No, it works no. within the menu. Right. Okay. And they don't mention any other software on here. Oh, okay. Maybe it's kind of they've done secret licensing. Hey, PJ. Hi. Is that a bit better? Well, hopefully that'll be uh, we'll be hooked up again and and see how we're doing. Um, we were just about to get yes, your yes. opinion on the, um, the the Bieber um, track, beautiful uh, and very um, melodic and kind of beautifully smooth time stretch, don't you think? Oh yes, most definitely. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was excellent. Um, doing that kind of thing is is wonderful for sound design. You know, for creating those kind of granular pads, um, you know, behind other things. I, um, I've used that trick a lot myself, but uh, haven't found a source where uh, instantaneously you stretch it to 800% and it sounds like uh, it could be the soundtrack to Blade Runner 2. <laughs> yeah, I was saying earlier that, that it's just the way the reverb spread and bloom just sounds so lush and gorgeous. Um, it does. It sounds. It sounds really nice. I didn't get all the way through it. I kind of skipped around. No, no. Well, we, we all have busy, but... busy lives, and thirty-five minutes to dedicate listening to Justin Bieber is probably thirty-four minutes too long for most of us. <laughs> I like some of the uh, some of the comments. <laughs> some of the comments that were left were great on the SoundCloud file, though. Uh, somebody said it was eight hundred percent better than the original. <laughs> Did you did you see my lovely? Yeah, I, I I I wanted to uh, somehow visually represent this, and I took Justin Bieber's face and I I stretched it by eight hundred percent width in Photoshop to <laughs> to put it as a, as an accompaniment oh, to the news story. 
visual pardon. Yes, I was, was quite cool. pl- I was quite proud of that. Although I wasn't as wasn't as distorted as I was hoping for. Unfortunately, eight hundred percent is clearly not enough when it comes to the visual stuff. But uh, it's harder to recognise. <laughs> but it's funny when you look at the waveforms; they're both exactly the same. Actually, I should give you a quick blast of the original just to sort of uh, even things up. I know you're probably going to just just if if you if you're not ready for this, just um, mute yourself now, and you'll 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 be able to not hear it. But I'll just play it very quickly. Better not play anymore, because, well, you never know what might happen. Wow, there are drums? There are drums. There were drums and all sorts of things, yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you how far into it I got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that that intro, 800% faster, is 800% slower. That intro, eight hundred percent slower, is is you know quite a long time. It represents a a big slice of time in your busy life, Rich. I can fully understand that you wouldn't have made it any further. Still fun. I got about five minutes into the thing, and you still I, you hadn't know, got the drums. Just, I didn't know, notice I the drums in it actually. Like... In the stretch version, maybe when they're slowed down so that so much, you don't really notice. Clearly not. Well, while yeah. we're <laughs> while we're at it. Um, Let's have another go, because there's this other one there. This is the Gaga musical satire thing. I was going to play, this is a a, a great cover, and I just wanted to play this as well. So let me find it quickly. There are a couple of clips here, and I'll start with this one. Hi, I'm Brett Domino, and this is the Korg Monotron. We're going to play Bad Romance. Oh, 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 oh. The dulcet tones of uh, Brett Domino there and his fabulous minimalist cover of uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance, just using purely the Korg Monotron and the uh, Korg Mini Chaosolator. Um, and a very nice use of clave there, I saw, thought as well. I think, Rich, as a, as a, uh, with a, with such a history of percussion in your family, you're probably appreciating this more than most of us. Oh, I'm just head over heels. <laughs> it's not often you get to see the clave featured quite so prominently in a popular, popular hit these days, is it? Uh, no, I have to admit, that's true. <laughs> anyway, um, Brett Domino is a bit of a sort of musical satirist, but th- this whole topic was kind of linked up to the whole concept of musical satire. And again, there was another one which I thought was great, which is, again, this is uh, by a chap called Andy Rehefelt, who uh, does these kind of similar things to um, stuff we've heard before, where he just takes uh, a track and reinterprets it and then resyncs it to the video. And this is Metallica's Sandman, which I think uh, actually is a vast improvement.
I've got to get to the chorus. I'll stop there. But uh, yeah, Metallica's uh, Sandman, uh, as covered by uh, somebody else, uh, Andy Renfeld. And it's interesting, I just thought about this kind of, it seems like there's a way of getting, um, getting recognition for your talents much more easily with the whole kind of YouTube thing. And it sort of seems like kind of a good idea, maybe, to dem- demonstrate your, avili- your ability and, uh, and the sort of vibe with which you approach things. I wonder if he's actually got any work as a result of it. I mean, because he's quite a good guitar player, maybe not quite so hot on the drum programming, certainly at the hi-hats, but uh, I don't know, good player, no? That's so funny you say about the hi-hats. <laughs> what did you notice the hi hats too? That you say that because I kept I kept thinking that too. Hi hats are you, no, no, this, <laughs> it just goes to show how the, dynamics. Much, the dynamics. Yeah, there were not yeah. enough velocity levels in that hi hat sample. That's the problem. You see, if there had been, you wouldn't have noticed them. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I do feel I do feel kind of nerdy, sort of spotting that. But the rest of it was quite good. But the hi hats just didn't quite. What do you reckon he was using there? It sounded like perhaps one of the uh, one of those tune tracks or something like that. But perhaps uh, he 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 didn't have quite enough RAM to load the full hi hat set. But um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you yeah. think? Do you think this is kind of? It seems like we're almost, I, I, I sort of hark back to the days of the Baron Nights when musical comedy was uh, sort of quite big, certainly in the UK in the uh, 70s and 80s. And I'm just wondering whether this is a new outlet for it. But it also, you know, and what was the other guy who used to do, who did, um, oh, in the US, um, the guy who did loads of musical comedy stuff. He did a version of, uh, um, Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic. Al Yankovic. That's right. Al Yankovic. I met Al Yankovic once uh, about uh, 15 years ago. He's a real interesting cat. I can imagine he is. But, I mean, he's obviously fairly musically accomplished as well. I'm just thinking, is this? do you think this is a good way to get work? Rich, would you consider kind of, you know, if you, if you liked his uh, guitar work, would you think, oh, I might give the guy a call, send him something, see if he can play along to it? Or would you just think, nah? Not necessarily on the strength of this, no. <laughs> okay. But I have a peculiar, I wouldn't say aversion, but this stuff, I mean, it, it all kind of stems from the, the YouTube videos where they got like film of whatever, Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen standing up there and some guy's like chomping away on his guitar, kind of just doing some wacky shit and we're supposed to believe they're, I don't know. It's somewhere between that and mashups and it all feels a lot to me like, Taking like two or three people's work and trying to make something out of it yourself, and I don't know. It's it. it I know that it holds appeal for a lot of people, so I don't want to rain on anybody here. But it's just not for you. I'm not hiring this guy on the strength of that. No. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Anybody? Is this one of those topics that I, I'm beginning to wish I never bothered including, or is it? Uh, is there something we can squeeze out of the train wreck of uh, of this particular uh, one? <laughs> well, I've one before. Go on, go ahead, oh, please, Dave. Oh, I was no, just no, no. wondering whether or not James Hatfield is uh, is actually the and Jordan Rudis are actually the same person. Only uh, Hatfield's wearing a, a wearing a wig. Ah, uh, the ghosty beard. I, the, I'm, I'm going with the beard. It's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting thought. Interesting. I thought. mean, Jordan Rudis is everywhere, everywhere. So he might as well be on stage with Metallica as well. 
Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, he doesn't need the work, whereas uh, Andy Rehfeldt, uh, he's a musician-composer who's based in L.A., and he creates YouTube mashup remixes based on the video vocals of popular artists, but takes the artists into uncharted and often humorous territory. Um, he explains why he does it. He said, he, I never became a rock star, but thanks to YouTube, I have an audience, although I'm not making any money from this. It's a great way to stay creative. And in fact, that, um, that Metallica one's had 1.3 million views, which is, you know, not too shabby at all. So, I mean, it'd be nice that maybe he'll get, get something together out of it. But anyway, a bit of fun. And, of course, the Gaga video, um, always a fan of Brett Domino. Although, I, I think when I wrote the article, I sort of, I wasn't entirely sure how humorous he is and how it just happens to be that way. Dave, do you know any more about him? He definitely is a musical humorist, isn't he? He's not just a nerd. Oh, he's got to be a combination of both, isn't he? I, tell, I, I think I've said this before. I'd quite like to have taken him to Nam and got him to do sort of instrument demos for us. Or you remember those kind of, or they have those MIA parties, don't they, every year? Yeah. We kind of go and watch people getting slapped on the back for abstract work. Um, and I thought he'd be quite good instead of sort of Bill Bailey or somebody like that. You could get him along. Brett Dominic. And get loads of sponsorship. I, I did like that um, other one, that Lady Gaga, the polka face, because I've been on holidays where that kind of music has been deemed acceptable in a restaurant. <laughs> you can't be a good polka, but it has to be good. Anyway, I think I'm going to move on from this because I can see that there's not many, there's not much more miles, miles in there. Anyway, um, at this point, it's good to say hi to our show sponsor, uh, of course. Uh, Yamaha, I think I'll put this up. We'd like to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their uh, continued sponsorship of the show. We really do appreciate it. They, of course, um, have a couple of things they want to talk to you about. I mean, the first thing is clearly the Motif XF. Um, we've posted a couple of videos that uh, they shot with us a couple of weeks ago or last week uh, where you can find out a bit more about this new workstation. Uh, basically, they doubled the WaveROM, 741 megs of WaveROM, uh, which is twice that of the previous XS. Uh, two gigs of optional flash wave ROM memory, which is uh, actually a very cool thing, which means you, once you've loaded it up with your sample ROM and your waveforms, it comes straight in, straight back. So if you're doing shows and you're running the whole thing, there's no load time. It's uh, it, it's actually a, a great thing for running shows from. Um, there are, whatever, 1,664 patches, 97 drum kits, 128 megs of onboard uh, sample RAM, so you can now sample directly into it as well. Improve UI. Uh, what else is there? 512 performances, uh, 88 note Cade, uh, wait, 88 note action in the Motif 8 XF8, direct to USB recording and playback of WAV files, uh, new format libraries from Garrison, Sonic Reality, Easy Sound, so you can load them directly in and have access to them, uh, clearly on that. They're, they're, uh, they're going to be doing a deal, um, with the, when they first release it, where you get a, a 500 megs of flash ROM, straight out of the box, which is actually quite a cool idea. So you can you can load it up with a couple of your your libraries and whatever else you may need. But do check them out. Sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha. Um, that'll track the click through to them and it'll make us uh, seem obviously great. Um, not that we are at all insecure about this, but we just want to prove how great we are in the continued sponsorship. Anyway, uh, the other thing to check out is obviously the... Um, 
yamahadownload.co.uk. Um, please do check that out. There's a lot of interesting articles and uh, software updates and all kinds of stuff that uh, that you want to check out. And there's drum kit downloads for the DTX. Um, I've, I think I've told you about this before, but the latest deals and also the latest Yamaha news. So please do check them out. SonicState.com forward slash Yamaha will get you to all the Yamaha good things. Anyway, thank you very much to them for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, let's move on to our next topic. Um, let's think. What was the next one? This was... Oh, yes. Let me get there. This is Tone Hammer. This is... I don't know why, but every time I hear this stuff, it always makes me think it's magic. I won't play any more. That's quite plenty enough. That's the sound of the new Tone Hammer um, Requiem Pro. Um, there was a demo just posted recently. Um, I know it's I know it's not magic, and I know it's just standard technology in the way that they do it. You know, with the key switching and the the vamp. But I still it still makes me just kind of go. Wow, that just sounds awesome. Is there a, is there a use for this kind of stuff though? Because I, I wonder, you know, how useful it is. I, I guess solo voice is kind of useful for TV and composition and stuff, but maybe not in, in, in pop music production. PJ, you're probably more the kind of guy that this stuff is um, aimed at. Have you come across the Tone Hammer stuff before? I have. Um, I don't own this particular library, but uh, I am taking a second look at it. I use uh, the equivalent that East West has. East West Sym- um, Symphonic Choirs, yeah. That's right, yep, yep. And uh, I, ha- I have used it on a number of occasions. In terms of, of actually building, um, you know, b- building phrases that, you know, that where, where the choir is singing something, I, I think it seems to me that it's used best, and this is the way that I hear it most often, when it's buried in a very large, uh, you know, very dense, very powerful mix, um, and and is only there to sort of intimate a, a group a group singing something uh, that sounds vaguely like language, mm. not actually singing something that uh, you know that's recognizable as 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 words, and. Um, uh, you hear it a lot, actually. I hear I hear the the um, East West Symphonic Choirs a lot in film trailers. Yeah. So I think that's the place that it's used, and I would assume it's probably used in a lot of video games as well. Is it easy but, to use uh, the East West Choirs? Because I'm guessing there's going to be similarities between because there's only so many ways that you can sequence phonetic stuff and what have you. Is it easy to use? It's 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 not difficult to use it's fiddly it right. takes it takes a little while to kind of get get your head around it there's a separate uh api that exists for building words and you have to do some pretty complex routing in order to get the um uh the choirs into that once once you've kind of established that then uh then it's 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 fairly straightforward to get in it 
if you were to build a really complex arrangement with where the choir was singing more than a repetitive phrase throughout the entire arrangement, it might take quite, I've never attempted to do that. It might take quite a while to get that arrangement down in a DAW so that it sounds like something list, you know, that's listenable. Right. But, uh, to create kind of a repeating phrase like they were doing right there where the choir is just doing some vaguely Latin or Sanskrit sounding foreign vowels and consonants and that kind of thing. It's, that's pretty easy to do. And, and, and I, th- I think it's pretty magical too. When you when you type that kind of thing into Word Builder and then you play it from the keyboard and the choir singing what you've typed, that's that's great. That's that's really fun. The first time I did that, it was just wow. It was uh, twice as exciting as watching Doug Rogers and Nick Phoenix do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick Phoenix is a great demo player. I mean, I, I, there is the uh, obviously yeah. the the only thing about this obviously is uh, you feel compelled to have it um, just say rude words, don't you? I'm sorry, say that again. Don't you feel compelled to have it just uh, speak rude words and uh, in a grand and choral oh, fashion? Yeah, oh, most, most definitely, yeah, for half a week. <laughs> Particularly the Sopranos. They like to hear the Sopranos talking You want to hear the Sopranos talking dirty. <laughs> Rich, have you, was I right? You've used East-West choirs, or am I um, putting thoughts and, and actions into your, your way that uh, well, no. are not attributable to you? It's impressive that you would remember that I have it because in all the years I've had it, I have yet to use it. Oh, really? But uh, I do have it, and uh, I'm relieved to hear that from PJ that typing words into Word Builder actually does work because someday I'll need the thing. Um, yeah, but by, by I, then it'll uh, be out of date and you won't be able to run it on your current system. Well, as I'm looking at Tonehammer's Requiem Pro, I'm thinking it already is out of date. Yes, PJ? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to amend that it it does to if you really want word builder to speak a word and have it be intelligible, then you have to learn uh and I'm trying to remember what they call the language. Oh, there's, there's something there's a, talk, isn't it? Yeah. I remember it's, it's like good. it's like pho- pho- phonics or something like that. I mean, it's it's a play on on phoneme or something. Uh a language that East West has come up with that basically you you use uh like a like an an e you know, as the A sound, that kind of thing. There's there's some double consonants that make certain sounds, uh, double vowels that make certain sounds. And I'm certainly I'm certainly not fluent in that language. If if I and I've never felt the need to become so. I've never even felt the need to crack out the manual and figure out how to get the choir to sing a specific word. Votox. The only way that I have is Votox. Uh, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Great yeah. name. but it's uh <clears throat> i think the, the the only way that i've that i've ever really used and i and i i i have gotten the choir to sing a rude word so I'll, I'll i'll admit to that but the only way that i have uh used it you know in my in my own work is to get the choir to sing you know va- vaguely uh like like uh, like some kind of foreign Latin phrase kind of thing. So I, I think obviously it's got limited use. I mean, it's got very specific uses, hasn't it? I mean, it's not often you need this kind of thing unless maybe you're working on a horror film or a big sci-fi epic or whatever. I know, Dave, have you got any choral stuff? I mean, would this be something that you'd consider? I mean, I think the, the light version's about 300 bucks. The, the Requiem Pro, which is going to be available soon, is it, I think it might be an introductory offer of 600 bucks. But I mean, you need the sound of this. You need to, you need to want to, you need to use it, I suppose, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, I don't have any real regular usage for it. Uh, I've got, there's some good stuff in um, Omnisphere that I've used from very, very, very rarely, mm. but it'll sit way, way back in a mix on a power ballad. <laughs> of course. And I have no real use for any. <laughs> Not, uh, yeah, you're a power ballad specialist, you might want to buy it, I suppose. Yeah. Actually, there was one thing, I don't know if you saw, it was a couple of episodes back, it might have been the last episode of the, uh, in the studio we did with Robbie Bronneman, uh, which we've unfortunately had to uh, put on hold because he's had a terrible flu and it's gone to his ears and he can't hear anything and so he's had to put it on hold. Hopefully when we get back um, from holiday it'll be going back on again. But he was using the... Um, the TC Helicon Voice Live, and that sounded amazing. So somebody sings, and it sort of articulates the the choral sound. Did you? Did anyone check that out? It sounded pretty awesome. I saw that video. That was really cool, and uh, it reminded me of the uh, the recent Roland keyboard that does a similar thing. The V, one of the VP, the new VP boards. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. is that, that that's a seven hundred or something, isn't it? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a very. I've never figured out. Do, do, is it? Do you have to be quite specialised to be able to play the chords in a way that the voices would arrange them? If you see what I mean, because I, I don't know if that's if that alien thing, or do you need to be kind of specialised? Rich, you you might you might know a bit about that because I mean, it I guess got, well, it's well, it certainly helps to understand traditional four part classical harmony when you're doing something like this. Right. Okay. Because you wouldn't voice adjacent chord tones next to each other most of the time. Mostly you'll space the voicings out across the four voices um, Uh, in ways that you learn in a classical theory uh, environment. uh, Okay. If one did, of course. And then then also there's the way that chords move from one to another. You know, how they move from one to another is there's specific rules that uh, are often broken because you 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 hear them broken all the time. But in in terms of in terms of what Rich is talking about, uh, okay, well, interesting. I've not, uh, yeah. I've never tried. I, 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 we did have a voice live sitting here for a little while, but I didn't unfortunately have the resources to to look at it, and uh, it actually went back yesterday so i never will now but uh i should have perhaps got it out i just can't bear the thought of me having to review something and sing i just i can't cope with the you know that that's just going a bit too far i don't mind playing a bit and i don't mind talking on camera but singing on camera i'm not so sure about that that's just a little bit you know too exposed for my liking well getting back to requiem pro for a moment which i didn't have a chance to comment on um i love the sound of the thing and Really, I'm interested in the ways people are using the scripting and contact to do very creative things mm. graphically mm. in order to allow control. I mean, I've seen Tom Scarby's bass guitar thing, and I've seen other people do some really pretty pictures in the contact environment as a sort of a impetus to, to control things. And I thought this one was really nicely done. The scripting was very impressive to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does need Contact 4, apparently, and there are some people sort of moaning about the fact they have to upgrade to that to, to make sure, it, you know, it takes advantage of all of this stuff. But, uh, you know, I get, I'm not really a Contact user, yep. so I, not, I, I, don't, I don't know the ins and outs of that particular engine. But um, just a couple of more bullet points about this. Uh, this actually was recorded in Majestic Cathedral in San Francisco uh, with one mic posi- position, um, pre-mixed from uh, 5.1 mics uh, with customised Neumanns and customised m- customized modified high-end converters. And I think you can hear it. It does sound 
very um, rich and sort of true, I suppose, doesn't it? It does does sound kind of good, but yes, something to check out. Uh, Requiem um, Live, uh, Requiem Pro, which I think is coming out shortly. Um, Rich, I was uh, you were going to tell us a little bit. You you've been up to stuff this week, haven't you? Was you were out at um, at Ableton? Um, do is that what you were saying in your in your pre-show mention? I wanted to give you a chance to mention well, it because now time's marching on. I suddenly noticed it's ten to five. Yeah, la- last night um, I was invited down to Brooklyn, New York, to a small studio there where Ableton and Universal Audio were hosting a gathering, uh, a very small gathering of people to evaluate and uh, make suggestions about the use of Ableton Live in a live multi-track recording scenario where you have a band out in the studio ah, okay. and you're doing your typical tracking type of date. Yeah. And in addition, um, my friend Bruce was there with his Universal Audio products. They had a card in the computer and they were showing the various plugins and they had uh, one or two of their input paths around, which I'm already a big fan of. And uh, it proved to be a very, very educational and enjoyable evening for me. First of all, spending time with Houston is always wonderful and he sends his regards to everybody here and ah. very much looks forward to uh, the shows and to possibly even participating. Oh, we'd love to get Houston. Uh, Houston Singletree, right? Yeah, we'd love to get him on. Yeah. Top chap. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. And uh, my friend Bruce McPherson, who is currently the Universal Audio guy, formerly DigiDesign, another wonderful person and very knowledgeable. And uh, we had a nice time around their DAW and a live band and seeing what it does well and what perhaps it could do a little better. And there are, we found, you know, a number of examples of both. So, because you were always wondering whether or not you could use it as a door, you know, you, did it sort of did did it go any further to convincing you that that was possible, or were there still are there still issues for you? Possible, yes. Desirable, no, no, oh, right, <laughs> not for me. Well, insofar as they've still got some issues for me with regards to grouping of tracks, for example, there is no real way to say group your drum tracks together and have the warps being analyzed across the group tracks based on a single track's uh, uh, impulse. So to me, that means it's warping each track individually, which is ripe for phase issues and uh, inconsistencies from hit to hit. And uh, I would, I find that very insecure. Right. Okay. I'm sure there was a way of making one a master, but I guess they would have shown you that if uh, if that was possible. And maybe I'm thinking of a different piece of software. I just seem not, to have... not according to them. Right. Not okay. To... Furthermore, something simple. Uh, here was a here was a moment where it was funny. We were all laughing because I said, "Okay, so here's this stereo pair, the stereo track, and the pan pot on the fader says something like I don't know C for center or something like that." And I said, well, what if I want that to be not fully left and right, but I just want it to be at like 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock or 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock? And the Ableton guy who came with Houston looks at me and he goes, well, there's a sort of a workaround for that. And he proceeds to start hauling out Ableton plugins, one of which splits the signal into two separate things and another of which is sort of like a pan pot with a width control on it. And 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 at some point they asked me to name some of these modules they were creating to achieve this incredibly simple task. And I called it Rich's complicated pan pot. (laughs) And, um, and, and I was explaining to them that this is really important to me because in most of my work, very few things go all the way out to the sides in the stereo field. I tend to reserve that last 20% on each side 
for certain kinds of ambiences and things that really broaden the perspective of the mix without. So, for example, your stereo keyboard pad is probably not all the way out there in my mix. And so I have just as one example. So I have a lot of things that I don't want all the way out wide. And it seems that Ableton has made an assumption that if you've got a stereo track, that it should be stereo. You must want things way the hell out there. And uh, while it's possible to um, use their their stuff that they provide in order to do what I'm talking about, it turns out to be like a rather extensive yeah, song and yeah. dance as compared to just grabbing a couple of pan pots and taking them from 100 and 100 and turning them into 65 and 65 or something like that. Yeah, left yeah. Left and right. Can you do it in Logic? I wonder, actually. You have to do two, you have to link two objects, don't you? Just trying to think. Dave, you're a lot more Logic. Is that right? Yeah. I can't remember now. Uh, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh well. Well, that was just one. That was just one example of a, a simple task that I perform all the time, that would require a number of additional yeah, yeah. steps to bring about in, in Ableton, though it could be brought about. And and so, they're incredibly clever people, and it is an incredibly clever program. But some of the things I do all the time in my workflow are a little harder to do in there. Than, than in the other softwares that I use. And as I said, the warping of, of group tracks is something that's kind of key to me and something that they don't seem to have addressed. Right. In general, the grouping of tracks as a writable thing, you know, as a storable thing. You could very easily just select any number of tracks and do a single event to them, which was something I was mistaken about previously and I've learned how to do now. But um, that grouping of tracks cannot be fixed in any way. It can't be fixed and recalled to come back to you would have to reselect those things the next time you wanted to do that and uh that to me is a bit cumbersome um but for the most part the software behaved well sounded good and when they were playing these basics back that they'd recorded and running the damn tempo slider all the way down it sounded remarkably cool and uh you know it's just generally i think i still think it's a great program um for what it does well but it just this wasn't necessarily something that would cause me to abandon Pro Tools in my live basics world. Yeah, well, for example, I mean, you, you're only going to find these things. You're only going to find these things out when you find them out, aren't you? There's no kind of, you know, uh, there's no here, other here, way of looking at it. Here's another example: when your monitor, say you've got a single mic on a bass drum, what you see on the fader is a stereo meter because it's monitoring output. There is no way to meter input in this program ah. unless you create a separate track just for that purpose in other words if you you know the, the the input track will show its output into the stereo bus but not its monophonic input and interestingly when you put a plug-in on that track uh to a processor of some sort the processor will show you stereo meters as though it's mon it's metering output and not input which i thought was very interesting ah, okay that said have that said, trying out uh, the Universal Audio plugins was a pleasure, and a lot of them sounded great to me, particularly the Neve emulation EQs. The uh, the Roland Space Echo was fantastic. The uh, the EMT-140 plate simulation sounded great. I mean, the, the UA stuff in software really impressed me. It was sounded really good, and it was fun to work. Cool. Well, that sounds like a great night. I, I mean, I'd love to be able to go to kind of some of these things where you just learn stuff, you know, and you can actually get in there and kind of 
you know, work with some experts and kind of go, well, you know, how do you do this and find it out? You know, I've just not enough of this stuff about. It. I guess the web and broadcasting is probably a good place to start, but um, you usually find some kind of tutorials online, but you can't beat being in a room with people who use this stuff day in, day out, can you really? No, and you, I think we'd have a really good time having Houston on here because he'd be very illuminating for for people on the value of this software, where its strengths are and where its strengths aren't. Well, maybe we'll uh, work work something out with him. I'll try and contact him after I'm back from holiday. That sounds kind of fun, right? I, I'm guessing but, we're 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 getting we're getting close to five. We've got a couple of topics left. Um, let's uh, let's do this. Um, only nerd that could appreciate this because I think this is quite an interesting concept and I'd like to explore it. So I'm just going to play this a sec. Zan Human Boot Project is from Japan. It was a video on YouTube. And what he did, which was a really cool idea, actually, was he basically took a screen capture, which is, I guess it's time-lapse or maybe he sped it up, uh, and put the music to it. So this was the, the, it was a session of his, a picture of his um, computer screen while he was working on the tune from essentially sort of the first kind of beats to the final mix and the bounce at the very end and, you know, a break in between. And, um, I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. I mean, maybe it's because, as I said, only a nerd could appreciate this right. But did anybody else find it interesting, or is it just me? Dave, you're a logic user, aren't you? What? Am I alone, or can you back me up with some help? I think you might be alone. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, because it proves that I'm not a nerd. Yeah, um, rubbish. I, I, didn't, I didn't, I just kind of, again... Hi-hat programming. Mm. Yes, well, there's that. I wasn't really kind of focusing on the music. It was more the process. I just thought it was quite interesting to see, you know, the, the complexity of the session for a start, but then also the fact that, you know, working, obviously he works right the way through it, and then at the end, the mixer window comes up and starts working on the automation and the kind of, you know, the general balance and all of that kind of stuff. And that, you know, that that's a very similar workflow to the way that I would, would work and i don't know whether it's the same for you or not whatever i found that kind of affirm affirming in some way and what an enormous number of plugins yeah. using a lot of stuff yeah. what do you spot i spotted battery um i i, I there were a couple of the, in there that i didn't recognize sugar bites effectrix was in there ah well done see see it's not just me pj uh, okay. thanks thanks for joining the nerd that's club <laughs> That's what I did with this video. Was the pleasure that I got out of it was uh, just skipping around with the uh, with the little video slider at the bottom and and finding out what were all the plugins he used. Right, right, right. Just just kind of skipping from one plugin to the next. I did try, and um, he didn't upload it in quite high enough. Um resolution because i was trying to look at the date and time to see what that represented in terms of hours and how many sort of stops and starts there was one great bit where he stops and he goes on youtube and watches watches a couple of videos one of which was uh, a massive attack uh, a video i forget which one it was was it um the one with the baby which i guess is the liz fraser one um, which is a beautiful track teardrop, teardrop yeah. yeah um right. but i just thought it was a great concept and something that you know if it didn't let, sort of 
jam up the CPU might be something that would um, that would be an interesting thing to run from various people in various projects because you just get to see a little bit of you get to get a sense of how it's put together. I, I, I won't ask you any more, Dave, because you obviously thought it was um, wasn't particularly interesting. Um, Rich, are you? Uh, is it something that you found interesting in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, yeah, kind of. The music wasn't too bad, and uh, the video was very enjoyable. And uh, as I looked at the date and time. It appears to have occurred across a period of days. Yeah, and I don't even even if I don't assume that it is running uh, in in the order in which the time actually passed. I saw the words Monday and Friday appear up there, and Tuesday, and I'm probably Wednesday and Thursday. So he, the videos appear from a selection that was taken from across periods of days of working on this. Sure, and uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, to see all that stuff popping up and running around and uh occasionally he launches iTunes and he's got that uh whatever that that funky uh oh, yeah, the visualizer mode. thing yeah apple t yeah, that yeah, is yeah. if you uh, if you put a couple of cool couple of cool visualizer presets he had worked out and uh yeah it's entertaining Hmm. Do you think uh, that there's, I mean, because I, I don't know, whenever I see, I, I'm kind of sometimes different. I mean, whenever I see somebody working, particularly in a piece of software I know well, like Logic, and I'm watching them, um, if they're really accomplished and sort of fluent, then I find it really interesting and I kind of want to know how they're doing things and what sort of tool combinations and things they're using. But if they're not, and I see them kind of reaching for menus and not using key commands, I get incredibly frustrated and want to sort of go, stop, do it this way, it'll save you time, for God's sake. <laughs> I can't help myself. And uh, I try and make it so that because I hate it when computers get in the way, particularly in creative environment. But uh, I don't know. Yep. I don't know Agreed. whether I think I'd like to see some more of this sort of thing, maybe from some you know name sessions or something. That would be kind of interesting to just see what people are using and perhaps how they construct things and perhaps you know because you can do things in so many different ways in modern doors you know you can repeat patterns or you can copy them or you can loop them or you you know there's so many different things you can do people mix things in sections then edit them together you know whatever that sort of thing is interesting to learn in terms of workflows because there's so many possibilities yep right well there we go that's uh almost uh, i think i just about saved that one from tumbleweed but um I, that was <laughs> the zan human boot project and uh something that was great fun um and um, I, I particularly like the last action being bounced to disc. That just kind of, you know, that sort of made it sort of all nice and complete in some way. Um, right. Okay. Now, here's one. I don't know if everybody's ready for this. This was the uh, – I don't know why I saw this. I was looking on YouTube, and I saw a uh, Roland SH-09 for a, not very much. I think it was about 300 – no, getting on for 400 quid. And I remember um, – because I've, when I I've played with them – they were the, the bottom end is just awesome on those things, and I thought, okay, well, here's a topic. You've got if you're in the states, you got 750 bucks. If you're in the UK, you got 500 bucks to blow on one monosynth. What's it going to be? And I'm going to go to you, Dave, first because you are Mr. Synth, and uh, you haven't said much. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want a little mini Korg actually, which is about that kind of price. Oh, the 700S. The 700. You know, do you know what the the, the 700S? I'll tell you a story about that because mm. I saw that one of those as well. Um, that's used in you know the Goldfrap train riff. Da, da, da. Yep. The, that's the mini core, yep. and that was um, in fact they used Daniel Miller's, which has been modified um, to have mm. sort of different filter types, and because uh, it's got a, a low and a high pass filter, hasn't it? You can sort of create yeah. that traveller. But it's got a very um, raw sound too, really raw. 
How much do they go for? How much do they go for? About five hundred quid. So I'm just about in. Really, that's not bad, is it? That's that's cheaper than I thought because I thought they were quite rare. Um, I'm not about to make another live purchase, by the way. That uh, much as I enjoyed the Korg Prophecy, it's one of the most impossible synthesizers to program I've ever come across. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Apart from a DX7. But uh, okay, Rich, how about you? Seven hundred and fifty bucks, one monosynth. Well, I was thinking, and I'm not sure the answer to this question, but it would either be one of those little corgs that uh, Dave just spoke about, and that Howie apparently uses and digs, or it might be the Dave Smith synth. Ah, which one, the Mofo or the? Uh, I guess that's the, the one. The, is that the one the, that's a single voice and cheap? Um, oh, actually, what is it? It's a mono revolver. A Ted. The mono revolver keyboard might be the one. No, that's not what. That's not what I mean. I mean, either it's either the tetra, the tetra, tetra, or one of the the thing, yeah. the little keyboard mono synth that also connects to his other thing and turns it into basically a. Oh phone. right, the um, are we talking about the um, the the Mofo keyboard? The is thing it, I reviewed. Mofo. The, the thing that I br- the, the bright yellow thing I reviewed quite recently. Yeah, notwithstanding its bright yellowness. <laughs> okay. might, it'd either probably be that or the Korg. Although I would, you know, I would look around some more. I guess uh, the Mofo keyboard goes for about eight hundred bucks here in America, so I'm almost within your uh, your uh, financial yep, suggestion. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, PJ, how about you? Now that you mentioned the Mono Evolver, um, I don't know how much those things go for, but that might be. That might be the choice for me because I really love the sound of those evolver those evolver synths. Those are really cool. Um, other than that, I like Rich. I'm not sure that I know the answer to this. Um, I'm not in the market for a mono synth. Um, if I had to choose, maybe I'd buy a lot of those little Korg uh, Korg um, mono synths that uh, Brett Domino was using. Yeah, I have a bank of monotrons. God, you could get yeah, a hot, you yeah, could be fun. You could get about ten yeah. of those. You could have a ten voice polyphonic, totally un un, un- interconnected monosynth, and then maybe if you bought less, you could get someone to do some mods for you. That'd be an interesting that'd idea. Be really cool, actually. That'd be really cool. Oh, yeah, it? the filter on that thing sounds pretty cool. It's not bad. It's not a bad um, MS twenty. I mean, it's not quite the same thing. It's more like an MS ten because obviously it's only got the high, the low pass filter and the resonance. Uh, I saw yep. a couple of things. Actually, one thing I saw, I really do fancy one, is a DX7 Mark II. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just remember I really, Whoa. really liked... <laughs> I really, really liked the feel of the keyboard. And Whoa. I've probably got about a million voices on discs somewhere, which I think would be I, I, I would be <laughs> inspirational. I could use it as a master keyboard, although it wouldn't have anything else going on. Uh, or I did find something that was kind of cool, and that was a Tisco or Tiesco, I think you put P100, which was uh, currently at 155, which looks a lot like the Korg um, Mini Mini 700S. Look, straight on eBay. You can hear the furious typing. <laughs> but the one thing is, what's really cool about eBay now, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but if you go and look at like a monosynth, it throws up, here's a load of other ones that you might be interested in too, and I, I, can't get to, I can't figure out how to make that search work for me. So I looked at the, I think it was the Tisco, and then suddenly all these other ones popped up, and there was some, and, and, and that, that's right, no, I looked at the SH09, and that's around about, that, that seems to vary, that goes from between 300 quid to seven or eight hundred quid and they do sound lovely they've got so much bottom end those things rich you, uh, dave you you have you got one of those 
Uh, no, but I've got an SH2, which has two oscillators instead of the SH091. I think I had one years ago. That was the RS09 and the SH09. Yeah, they were little, little, little keyboards. That's right. Oh, you got an SH2. There was one up there. That was going for a fortune. That was in the thousands. Might have been two grand. so beaten up, but it? it still sounds great. There's something about those oscillators. They've just got so, it's like they've got an extra couple of octaves down there that just kind of rocks the, anyway. <laughs> rocks the house. Rocks the house. The party. Anyway, that was the last guess. That's the last topic of the show. Uh, last topic of the show for a week or so, because I'm going to be going on holiday for next week. So we'll be back. Uh, oh, what's the date? Uh, I can't even think what it would be. It was sometime in September. Going to be the first or second, probably. So uh, no hmm. show next week. So if you're listening to this and you turn up next week, I'm sorry. Uh, or you don't find out until later. I can only apologise now. Uh, but thanks to everybody in the chat room. It's been great having you all in there. Some great comments coming in. And uh, we always appreciate that uh, you take time out of your days, wherever you are in the world, because it's always hard to get the timing exactly right. Poor old... Um, Kiwi fan in New Zealand up at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. I, I still am totally humbled by that uh, that, that concept. Every week, <laughs> I hope he hasn't. Uh, I hope he hasn't. You know, it's not affecting his work life or anything. But uh, we really do appreciate all the people who come along and listen live. And um, well, anyway. Thank you very much. Um, and I'll come back to my local guests and we'll thank you very much because I know you guys are all busy. And uh, about this time of year, I always like to say a big thank you. And uh, we really appreciate that you continue to uh, make yourselves available for this. Um, no, everybody does it purely for love. Um, I hope they can feel the love that's emanating down the microphone at the moment at them. I'll say uh, anyway to Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I hope um, you're, the project you're working on goes as smoothly as ever. Thank you. I enjoyed it as always. Always good fun to have you aboard, Rich. Thank you very much. And Thanks, while we're there, PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, thank you very much for joining us as well this week. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's, it, I love this. It's great to be, it's great to be here. It's great to be back. Good. Well, I'm glad you are back and uh, I hope you've got a good, uh, a good but not too demanding work day in front of you. I do a good, and I I don't think it'll be too demanding, so it'll be wonderful. Excellent, and of course, uh, well, pjtracymusic.com dot com and uh, Hiltonius at on MySpace. Do check them out. And uh, Dave Spears from G Force Software, thank you very much for joining us. I hope we've managed to keep you uh, keep you away from anything too taxing for the rest of the day. Are you going to take the rest of the day off? Take the rest of the day off, Mister Spears. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No chance. Oh. I am looking at this Tysco P100, though. Mm. Is it still 155? Yeah. Mm. It's like one of those, um, was it the 2000? I'm not sure. I've never seen I, I, I remember the Tysco. Oh, right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know very well. Anyway. I digress. Thank you very much. Always good fun. Well, thank you. Um, have a great um, couple of weeks, and we'll speak when I get back. That was Sonic Talk number 186. It's a wrap. <laughs>